Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Allianz Leagues. A grain, alright. A grain, alright. He's going to tip the scale. Just remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, between them, and now they're really rolling. And I can tell you, tell you, there won't be a cold milk how declare for at least a week. Hello, everyone. The league is nearly done. Promotion and relegation loom large. You're very welcome to the Alliance. Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer Oshie McConville and by the former Galway footballer and manager Kevin Wells. Kevin, you're very welcome. What did you think of Galway at the weekend? Thanks, Paul. Um, I suppose if you turn back the clock to two weeks ago down in Tralee and, and look at them yesterday, it was, a, it was a, far, a far, far big improvement in what they were doing. So, But, you know, um, I suppose at the home venue uh, in Shum, great to get back there as well. Uh, tightened up in the defence. Uh, obviously, and uh, but you know, played played far more bodies behind the ball, which we've 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 we're come accustomed to talking about a lot. Anyway. So it's a really important, I think, that uh, the defensive structure is right, and obviously the 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 attacking you know from there is really important. But yesterday, obviously, kept a lot of bodies. But but then again, you know, if you look at Dublin, the first fifteen minutes, they were completely behind the ball. They allowed Galway have the ball in the full back line, half back line, no pressure on whatsoever. Uh, so just feeling the way into the game. So I think all the best teams, um, regards what's been said or shouted about. All the best teams will understand how to defend and what areas to, to defend. You know, we can have the romantic side of it, uh, what I call the social football, hoof and kick, and that's gone uh, if you want to win. So I don't think I'd be putting the the social football in the same, in the same line as uh, winning. And if you look at Dublin, do you think it much, enough attention is paid to Dublin's defensive efforts and how Dublin set up defensively? I think, Paul, look, I think nearly everybody knows that. It's just... Uh, I think because of their, you know, they're, 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 they have an expansive game. They're great athletes. Uh, their transition is good. Um, but, you know, I think we a lot of people choose to ignore exactly how good they are in defence. And by that, I mean good is getting bodies in the right places, which is automatically behind the ball anyway. So I think this, you know, if you go deep into it and uh, analyse it properly, you'll find that they do put bodies behind the ball. I mean, look, at I was there for a number of years. We analysed every team we played against. Um, you know, even broke down one of our own games to see was was, was it really true all the, the stuff that was, going to, was being said in the media, and uh, you know Dublin uh, they continuously put players behind the ball in the right places. Uh, they take the time, they swallow up all the space that the opponents would like to have, and they do it well. And that's one of the reasons that they're they're, they're winning so much. Do you think Galway have the footballers to beat Dublin at the moment? 
Um, look, I suppose yesterday uh, it was a tune venue. I, I thought Dublin looked very uncomfortable there. Um, they wouldn't be used to have those type of venues, you know, where there's no stands around the place and stuff like that. So I thought it would be a great chance to get them there yesterday. Um, there's probably a lot of younger fellas on the team at the minute who will need to blend in, who will need to understand if you're doing a defensive system, uh, it's not about just getting bodies on the ball. It's it's understanding what to do. It's about the footwork there. It's about what space you take up. It's about where the sweeper stands. It's about, you know, not just getting bodies back. And you, you will keep the score down by getting bodies back. But if you're going to win, you need to understand uh, your health defence. You know, if you look back at the goal that, that uh, the young sub for Dublin got yesterday, you know, the number three for Galway was, uh, he didn't do the two if he wants defending scenario. So, it was a case of the help defense was missing. So he's looking at the guy on the ball and not seeing the biggest threat of all, which is the runner. And I think it's really important that that coaching comes into it, is that you understand pressure on the ball, but also where's the biggest threat coming from. And it cannot be just someone coming off a shoulder and a pop pass and breaks down the whole line. So if you look, if you're to look and analyze that back and say where that goal came from, uh, you'd be disappointed with it. Uh, and you'll also be very much disappointed with the amount of hand passes that were given over the last line. You know, a shimmy out two yards and back over the top. I think Dublin got three fist, fisted points yesterday uh you know if 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 needs be and you're in control of a game uh, they were probably goal chances as well so you'd like to be cutting out those goal chances do you think that dublin are improving from where they were yes uh from from from, from last year point yes. of, league. I, and we'll say and the peak of that five in a row team do you think we've seen the peak of that team do you think they're on the way down do you think they're do you think they're improving um, I don't think they're getting they're getting better than they were. Um, there are some young fellas coming through, which is great to see as well. Uh, you know, you take Paul Mannion, Jack McCaffrey, um, midfielders have got one, you know, Brian Finton is probably looking for a partner at the minute. Uh Peter Cook yesterday showed where there was a, a mismatch from McMahon there. You know, I'd wonder if Galway weren't getting those mismatches three or four times in the first half where the Galway kicker was going to go to. But he you know, that was a, that was a first half out for Galway. Um I think if John Small was probably there, he'd probably do a better job on that side of it. But, you know, are they improving? I don't think so. I think they're holding, probably holding their own, but it's up to everybody else to catch them. Oshin? Yeah, the, the, the game yesterday, I, I felt as if, you know, Galway looked a lot more competitive. Um, obviously, a lot of balls behind the ball, uh, bodies behind the ball. And I think that that's a natural reaction to conceding 421. And I think when you're playing against uh, the better teams, uh, I'm still not 100% sure if they are as comfortable as what you would like to think they are uh, in that scenario and there's still things to work on. But when I look at uh, the football over the weekend and I look at, uh, I would think, probably the best def uh, team defensively that I had seen for some time were, were Donegal and how they um, set up structurally. And that seems to have waned a little bit in the last three years and I don't know if, if their if their coaching focus has gone away from that but like the defender that I have seen from Donegal over the last two weeks eh, they're still getting bodies back into the, into that into the defense but eh, I just think they're, they're one on one tackling uh, they're I suppose last ditch defending um, you know, like <clears throat> I thought, Galway yesterday started sort of bodies in a little bit more, started to make it a little bit more physical, um, caused Dublin problems that way. 
Um, I think there's a problem with the kickers. Um, and I think that's partly to do with uh, targets, but also partly to do with the keeper. Um, there was one uh, situation yesterday where uh, we were looking at the heavy behind on the on the on the top goals and and German and he like he, he had lots of things to hit and he hit it straight down the middle and Brian Fenton got it and Dublin ended up getting a score from it. So <clears throat> I think there's a there's a few different issues going on there. But I think uh, defensively, um, Galway are going to have to stick with what they have now. I think uh, everybody wants to play the open and expansive football. But all you have to do with a team now is around the middle area or coming out of their defence. It's just slow it. Slow it down in some way. Dublin, uh, notoriously in the big games, have fouled people in that area and, and, and have been able to slow the ball down. Uh, that allowed them to get to get bodies back, and I think teams need to be a little bit more cute and how they slow people, how they slow teams uh, down in that transition. Uh, but the killer for for a lot of teams, and including Galway, is turning the ball over. You know when they're coming out of defence, and you know they're trying to get bodies up the field. They're turning the ball over, and all of a sudden, you know, you look in and the matchups again are one on one, and that's where they really hurt you. You know, and that's how, and they are so physical around that area. And I noticed something yesterday. Just looked at the changes before the game, and I looked at the legs of Brian Howard and O'Coffey Born coming in, and how physical. Um, like I remember, um, O'Coffey born playing at a not sure if it was minors or under twenties, probably minors. And uh, like the the unity is now in comparison to what he was then. And I know there's a natural progression for all these guys, but like if if he can't do a job for Dublin somewhere in the middle of the field, like you know what I mean? Then like they are looking for a, a partner for for Brian Fenton and. Maybe he's the answer to that. He is a big, big man. They get a lot of hits on in that middle third of the field, uh, slowing the ball down. And I think that the thing about uh, Dublin, not just yesterday, uh, but on a continuous basis, is that they are prepared for that last-ditch tackling. Obviously, um, Cooper was getting a bit of a tough time from Shane Walsh to put Fitzsimons over to him. He does a better job on him. And, that's the way they'll they'll tweak it and move things around. But I, I just think that uh, Dublin are actually, I think, better one-on-one -on -one defenders than other teams. But they get bodies back in to help also. Is that one-on-one -on -one defending that Dublin are quite good at, or very good at it? Is that is that nature or nurture, Kevin? Is that something that they that has been coached, or are these just guys who are natural defenders who have good footwork? Who understand the positions to be in intuitively? Yeah, um, I don't see Dublin actually leaving themselves isolated too often with the one who wants to be fair. Um, we've played them in back in our own time. You know, we did find that the likes of Damon Comer and 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 even Shane did give them enough if they got one who they want to be fair, regardless of footwork. And and but look, I suppose you're looking at a massive push from Dublin back in the early noughties and. You know, they've had the underage camps, they've had, and the more numbers you have, I don't care what you say, the more numbers you have, the better chance you're going to get somebody with natural ability. So, you know, they have the numbers, they've really worked hard on it. There's something like 70 coaches, you know, paid coaches in all the clubs. I presume they're coaching uh, the stuff we're talking about, the footwork and stuff. So, there's a better chance you're going to turn out better, better players for that. So, I don't, you know, I suppose it's unfair for me to comment. I haven't seen what they, what they coach. Um, 
they, they but I wouldn't underestimate the value they put on the help defense and how they get somebody else to be within an area that there is a one v one most of the time that they're they're ready to step in and they understand when to step in. So, you know, the one v one in defending, if bodies are back, is gone and it, and if it's not gone, it should be gone because you are going to get terrorized by good ball players. Uh, bottom line, and even if you look back on that goal I spoke to about 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 yesterday, the the, the, the second goal, Burn got a double. There's two goalie guys standing there, you know, but two looking at the ball. And the slip comes in, you know, in the five yards. Now, if you train people to see man, see ball, see danger, see ball, you've got to be seeing where the runs are coming from. And if you do, if you have to step back two yards to make that V, that V shape, that you can see both, and that now you're managing and marking both threats, that's when you become a better defender. So, you know, that's, I think there was a point as well in the first half where, you know, Paul Conway got his, got his feet just completely caught up and the Dublin guy came straight in and went through the top of the arc because his feet were poor. So, like, footwork is vital. I don't know exactly what Dublin are doing, um, but they're really, really good at the help defence. I read your book and your autobiography. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost wrong to call it an, an autobiography, Kevin, mm-hmm. because there's there's so much more in it than the story of uh, of your life. And I, I, I will say straight out, I, I'm not a massive fan of GA autobiographies. Um, I can kind of take and leave most of them. But what I think distinguishes this book is the amount of information in it in relation to coaching and the amount of information about setting up teams and how you go about it. And in particular, the amount of time that is spent on organising a defence and everything, everything around it and the advice that comes to people. And you set it out really clearly. And I think the fact that it's called the invisible game is really interesting. What is the invisible game? Do you know something, uh, Paul? We, we, we almost called it 79 1 uh, because it was such, so, so important. Um, yeah, explain, explain, maybe, maybe start with that. Maybe explain 79 1, first of all. 79 1, I suppose, when you hear 79 1, the first question is, what actually is it? So that was something to draw attention. So um, 79 1, it really is in county football that, you know, we have to planning for 80 minutes. And, uh, you know, no matter how you look at it, with overtime, injury time, or a referee deciding that on two minutes, it mightn't be there at all. You just have to be, you know, planning for that 80 minutes. So it probably stops players from looking at the clock at 75 and trying to see a game out. That You've got to stop that. But the 79-1 really is that you've got to take it that all your players are 79 minutes off the ball. Uh, lucky if you're on it for one minute. And, and the, the top player, a top ball holder will be on it for one minute max. And I think when you break that down, people start to ask questions, well, how can I coach players to impact a game when they're 79 minutes off that ball, whether it be defense or offense? What positions can I get them to take up? What's the body work like? What's the your visual awareness like? What's your 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 balance like? Your your low power. If a ball is in the air, you know you go back to the you know Kerry got beaten last year by by a late goal by 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 Cork. Um, you know what what was that defender doing when the ball was in the air four and a half seconds? That's the same as running 30 yards. So how do I do that? But at that point, the carry defender was back. He just needed to have his body his body position uh, pr- pr- proper. So it was kind of a... The invisible game, really, Paul, is stuff that we actually probably don't see enough. And, you know, so the 79-1 was, was, was that to get the point across. So that's really what it, what, what it is. So it's what you do in that game when you don't have the ball in your hands. It's really as simple as that. Whether your team is attacking, it's how you're helping create space or how you're supporting player, how you're clamping the defence. And when you're defending, it's how you 
where you should be, how you're marking your man, how you're helping the team, how you're trying to deny the opposition space. Yeah, and Oshin, Oshin touching on there, you, you know, you, you, you delay, you deny, you defend. And I think if you, people can get to a point where defend is your third option, you're in a good place. So whether it be, like Oshin mentioned there about, you know, dragging someone down at the front or, or, or pulling them up, or, or did you actually step off them because the two guys coming at you? Then did you, or, or you might take them, like we used to use the sewer lines, take them down into lane five or lane one, if you divide the pitch into, lane, into five lanes. So when you're taking them down there, he might be making field advancing, but he's not making advancing towards the goal. So while you're doing that, that everybody understands, you know, what can you do to make the best result for your team? And again, like the reason we've called our, our, our company Grow Coaches, it's not only about players. We love for coaches to be able to coach us, to coach coaches, to coach people, to make an impact in 79 minutes. And like, if you're talking about club, you just break that down to 69-1. And that's, it's it's the same principle. But, you know, does that mean you're going to win in All-Ireland? It doesn't. Does it mean you're going to win a provincial championship? It doesn't. But it probably gives you a better chance of getting the best you can out of the team available to you. And, you know, there's no point in saying, and I've made a point in the book as well, the guy that wins the All-Ireland as manager doesn't necessarily mean he'd done the best manager job that year. You know, you've got to look at the, the group. Where does the group come from? What's the group capable of? Uh all those type of things, but all you can do as a coach is get your team to that point. And when somebody steps in, you know, when, when from 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 an, an underage into a team that knows what it's doing, that team can actually coach that young young for himself. Now, I suppose a little thing with Galway at the minute would be, you know, when I've seen you know five young fellas stepping in against Kerry, um, that's a third year team. Very very difficult uh, to be up against the very top teams in the country to say out you go and play an expansive game and have a cut of those guys. Um, they're too wily, they're too long around, and your own 10 that might be still remaining there, you know, there's probably, there has to be gaps somewhere if, if, if you're still using the same type of, of coaching. The gaps have to appear if you're not, if you're not fully used to it. Ashin. Kevin, do you think there's too much emphasis on, on uh, the manager in GA or not enough emphasis? Well, Shane, I suppose the manager in the GA is, is, as we all know, is completely different to what the guy was 15 years ago. Um, the manager, you know, back when we started and played a lot, would have been coaching the team as well. Uh, I think you'll probably back this up yourself. The coaching the team didn't really consist of a lot, whole, whole pile of tactics at that time. Uh, you got people as fit as you could. You got them to buy in. You got a good culture. But, you know, the stuff with sweepers and understanding where the sweepers should play, uh, the 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 equipment the, the 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 tools of skills you give a sweeper for instance you know you look back you look maybe Tyrone who would have played Colin Cavanagh quite a bit there Monon played Aaron Hughes there but if you break down the the the, the tools they're being given when somebody breaks the front line of defense if you watch what they do the tools aren't brilliant they're very good to pick up loose ball but their footwork is 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 what I would consider very very poor behind the lines so. When then lines are broken down, they have a continuous full stride heading for the ball, but they don't know how to stop. So that's a massive um, deficiency in a team that's, that, that's good because if you don't understand how to stop your and go into a stutter step, you're going to have a missed tackle more often than not. Maybe one out of 10, you get a good striker, maybe a ball be dispossessed. But the tools you've been given now in deep level coaching wouldn't have been at that time. So I would say to you, Oshin, the manager is responsible for the coaching of the team. He's responsible for everything. He's responsible for how the players are turned out. He's responsible for the environment of the team. He's responsible for the media. He's responsible in the support that he's given by the county boards. He's, he's a whole lot of responsibilities, which takes away from the power of coaching, if he's a very good coach as well. So you have to put the emphasis on the coach. 
are the manager but i suppose it's funny the coach if the team does well will be remembered long time for being a great coach and can do the circuits for years uh the coach can be the player's friends when he doesn't make the decisions when it is if, if, if you win if you win the coach had a great input so it's probably a far easier job if you have a coaching knowledge it's a far easier job to go home after training and have a night's sleep that's where i put it yeah uh, and, and, and kevin when you went in first went in with Sligo, say do you think yeah. that you were going to do the coaching and the managing totally. or, or at that stage was that still sort of half possible it, it was very possible i suppose at the at, at a division four level i would think because you know, the expectations that was expected uh, to come out of you know sligo who were down division four I'm sure we're looking at winning kind of titles at that point they just want to get up to division so and i suppose the amount that's available to you in a smaller county is that's in a big county isn't there so there's no point thinking it's there so at the point i'm sure they're delighted to see a fella coming that they didn't know could he manage or not uh they hoped he's a good coach because he played at a high level so i was lucky to get the job but i mean you know seven years later when i was in galway was i different than when i was the day i went to sligo absolutely you know she and i would have surrounded myself with people I straight away when looking for people, sports psychologists in the background, uh, people who would have been at a high level uh, dealing with elite sports or elite in life, uh, that I would always put someone around me that I would be challenged myself as to how I was doing things. It wasn't nice what you hear back, but I was always very conscious and willing to say that I'm going surrounding myself here with someone that would actually challenge me while I was challenging players because maybe I'm challenging players the wrong way. So it'd be very, very important for me to be challenged by somebody from outside the forest. So put it this way, we were in the forest, we were all the trees, the players, the trees, the management, the trees, the footballers, the trees. I needed someone outside the forest looking in. And I would always, so by the time I had my years done there in the first year or two down in Galway, I would certainly be a lot different person and coach than I would have been when I went to Sligo first. Oshini, that answer your question. And, and, and where did the connection come with, with Paddy Talley? Did you just see Paddy Talley from afar? Or had you known him sort of in-depthly before that? I didn't know. I, I, um, Paddy, I think Paddy, well, you know, obviously would have been with Tyrone when they won the All-Ireland. And they said, yeah, coaches get a good name then. So, so they're always on the, on, the, on the horizon. But then obviously, in fairness, you know, you look at St. Mary's and, and, and the colleges and stuff that Paddy done, I mean, that was uh, brilliant, you know. And again, sometimes I'd be reluctant to say somebody coming in that is well in a Sigerson that's not in 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 the college full-time because you know you look at Sigerson teams it's a very very short spell yeah. only a certain amount you can do with them so if you're gifted that a savage amount of good county footballers all over happen to come into your college there's a great chance you're going to win that anyway you know and look yeah. at <clears throat> Cosmo Glenn yourselves in, in, in the past Yoshin massive footballers came through there if you mind me saying, you mind me saying I think the, the, the quality of football that was there whether it came from the underage or the tradition or the culture, but you get massive players there as well. I think you'd have to see because most went on to represent, uh, you know, uh, Armada. Same with Corrifin, massive, massive uh, area, massive numbers, seven national schools. Uh, you know, I, I like to break down areas with national schools because it gives you a great chance to see, you know, it's not geographical. You could have 8,000 um, acres of bog and forestry. That doesn't mean that you're going to have. A whole lot of players come out of the woods, you know what I mean? So if you look at national schools, that gives you numbers straight away. So sometimes you're gonna win things by numbers or by you know a bit of luck of a group that comes to at a certain time. But this is where the bigger counts need to get to. You can't be relying on look, you can't be relying on once in a hundred years a group comes along. 
you've got to get to a part where your environment and your setup is right that the underage structure of coaching is is right you know paul you've asked about dublin but for anyone to challenge with that we've got to get our understage structure back to the to the to the seven time one to come out of that you know if you look at coaching it's mainly a little bit of tactics now it's definitely physical it's 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 a lot of ball skills and all that so we're not taking the shine away from that that's that's that's, that's fully required but who's going to the next level the next level is seven to nine one so who's going to challenge the Dublin's this world whoever gets the seven to nine one right whoever gets the support structures right around them whoever's prepared to bring the alumni of players who would have represent counties in the past who have done well in business and who feel welcome to come back in with their ideas you know all those little things that county boards aren't doing they're looking at what they shouldn't be spending this you know why not give a pass to the ex-players have done really really well to make them feel welcome back in give them a pass to a gate okay, make them feel welcome back in because you're going to need all that if you're going to compete with the Dublin's this world to, to come forward and that's where it's gone to you know we can look at talking about size and splitting Dublin to do there's a lot teams and county boards can do can the likes of the smaller counties of 25,000 people bridge that gap I don't think that that's possible because of numbers but they could certainly be looking at division three division two there's always a target for every county can be can be do, can be can be looking at. So Ocean, you asked me what Sligo. When I went there, the target was to get out of the division. That was the target. And uh, there was no other target there. So I got the the background team around me probably to support that. So you got to a couple of Connacht finals with Sligo, and then you were you're, you're, you you were the manager coach of the first of the Sligo team, the first ever Sligo team. To beat Galway on Galway soil in Championship football in 2012, how did you find that day? How what was it like to be a coach of a different county against Galway? Paul, oh, look, you don't. Uh, you know, when I went to Sligo first, I'd be straight with you. Uh, Sligo Division Four. Um, it was a good stepping stone for me. Uh, geographically, it made absolutely no sense. Um, but you know, when I sat down. To talk to county board, I actually that was that was my spin geographically. I was trying to find a way not to do this, but I also wanted to dip my toe, and I also, you know, felt maybe from coming over the border into another county where people couldn't be saying, "Oh, the west versus the north, the east versus the south, or the hurling versus the football." It was a nice place to start. Um, <clears throat> but I suppose back on that day, I had been with the guys for quite a while that time, and that was my family, and uh, I had so much work put into those guys getting out of Division Four, Division Three, up to Division Two starting to be competitive at top level you know taking carry down down to a penalty miss and down their own patch uh these boys were starting to perform at high levels and um when i came to galway uh you know at that point i had so much put into, put into sligo there was i i felt good that day i felt really good after the result i'd be fair to be fair because of the work that that, that, that i'd done and because of the the buy-in that those boys showed to me and when you went to galway when you went to 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 manage galway you you said you'd looked at Galway before you went and you looked at Mayo and you, you held Galway up against Mayo in terms of the Mayo team that was then dominant, being a while since Galway had won a Connacht Championship. And you talked about Galway's soft under, underbelly. You talked about them lacking steel. You talked about them rolling over and you, talked, you said that you had to tear the whole lot down and start from scratch. Yeah, um, that's the way it felt. Uh, you know, um, 
I suppose when you look at the the Galway team getting a hammer in, in, in on home soil in in the Pierce Stadium, and you know I've 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 I've, I've quoted there, but you know, up the crowd and eighteen pints up. It was, it was it was hard enough to take. Um, but Mayo were a really 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 good team at the time, and they they had come on come on massively. So there was going to be a massive uh, job to get up to that standard, and I suppose they were the standard bearers at the time. So that was the team that that, that, I, that I was looking at, and. Um, we had to, had to again. That's back in your seven to nine one. Where, 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 what could I do that was different to what I felt people were doing before that? How do we think our way around this? And you know, we had a lot of closing to do on the on probably on the quality of players as well. So where were we going to take space that mattered, and where were we going to make space that mattered, and all those type of things that I suppose we were doing. You know, that took an awful lot of time in relation to video analysis. Uh, I suppose over, over over a period of time, I don't like, as I said in the book, there, I don't like to take, you know, even how you've done over one season for me isn't enough. This needs to be three to five seasons. <clears throat> I certainly don't take how you do in one game, um, because this needs to be, this needs to be a, a number of games. And so when you look back and you do analyze games, you've got to also look at. We talk about kickouts. You know, for instance, when we break down kickouts over a long period of time, without getting too much into it here, we found one of our kickouts. Uh, the more we lost the ball on the kickout, the better results we got. Now, that might sound crazy. But to counterintuitive point, that doesn't sound to make, you know, it, yeah. when you hear that, how can yeah. losing the ball be a good thing? Yeah, it's, 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 it's you know, it's, and, and the only answer I can give to you, over a long period of time, the outcome of what was there, I can stand by it and say to you, this minute now, and uh, without getting too much into it, because I can't give away too many secrets, would be that sometimes in a particular kickout, actually, Sorry, I won't say sometimes the wrong word. Overall, the facts stand up to say that over a certain type of kickout we'd done, which would be quite repeated quite a, quite a bit, we had better results when we lost the ball in the kickout. I think I know the kickout. Come on, Oshin. Go on, Oshin. Was it the overload? The overload. Yeah. Yeah, and that worked. That worked quite. That worked quite well for you. So I'm actually. I actually. I actually always held that up in very high esteem because I thought that was actually something that worked really well for you. But that just shows you, you know what I mean? What you're seeing in front of your face and the actual facts of it all. It's, yeah, and actually, I suppose the, 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 just to just to let, let you know, like I mean, that overload kick out. What you want to call it? We, I was calling it box plus one, right? Um, we had between 13 and 15 other options off that off that kickout if the overload was 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 tried to be stopped so it wasn't just a case that we'd set up and bang out there there was there was a, a numerous numerous other small things off that and i suppose when you look at bernard power yesterday i suppose you mentioned about the 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 camera over the top um you take out the mismatch with peter cook i take a point i totally take a point if there's something on for a goalkeeper he's got to hit it but he's also got to be given a big hand by the amount of options you're going to give him uh, without 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 putting too much into his head because there's loads going on. But like I felt, you know, looking down on the, the few times that that went in yesterday, the, the, the high camera from the back, I felt there was a serious amount of lack of movement. Or And maybe, and again, I, I've got to be careful on this because I know a lot of people, when they analysed our game, wouldn't have seen what we were trying to do. So maybe there's something else in there. But I couldn't find a whole pile there from a kickout scenario yesterday uh, that was outside the one-to-one man-v-man kick, kick. So that's something I think all we really have to come come back to or improve on. 
because at the end of the day, there's a whole lot of new faces there compared to me. We were there two years ago, so I'm not going to keep talking about what we've done because it's a different kind of a group here. Um, but that's absolutely vital, you know. And like if you look at Shane Walsh yesterday again, <clears throat> really, really good, uh, carrying the ball. But you put the likes of, 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 of you know, if we don't have other options in Galway, uh, when you hit the bigger pitches, how many times will Shane Walsh be able to do those runs? And uh, he's going to find, and, and in fairness, you know, as all the talk, he was back and, you know, back working out in particular the whole first half yesterday. He was back in the half back line defending and all that type of stuff as well. So there's no point throwing a right away from that. You know, they, they, they did understand that you cannot go on without help, helping out your backs. And by the way, that's not anything of a plight because every team does this. Finnegalls, Tyrone's, Dublin, any team that's winning at the top level do this. But it's whoever does the best. And that's why I'm back to my footwork, the balance, your visual awareness, your 2v1 when it comes at you, where's the threats coming from, what areas of the field do I mark, do I mark three sections out of five, do I mark four sections out of six, all those type of things. Do I to put my arc defence out to the 55 with the with with the breeze being against you, the 45 against when the breeze is, is with you, all the type of stuff. Where are the areas that you can actually condense, and how do you hit the counter? You know, and if you look back 2018, we had our bodies available. To us, our, our counter attack had just come to the point where it was it was what they consider almost top class. And if you even that our semi final against Dublin, where it wasn't broken down. Properly, Did you think you were going to win that day? Did you think you were going to beat Dublin that day? Yes, I did. I did. And to be fair, when I break it down, I take out the last 20 minutes, when I'd say we got sapped because of all we actually done wrong in front of goal. We had 18, goal, 18 chances to, to, to their 12 in the first half. We had, three, we had three goal chances to their one. We had a penalty missed. We had another just simple offload to tap the ball in the, in the goal. We had done all the stuff right to get the ball, to get the ball to the point where we could score. But we didn't score. And we've got to be careful on this. And this is where... Galway have this name of always, you know, we've got, Galway get wonderful scores, but on a consistent basis, it's got to be chomping away at the bit all the time and taking your percentage of scores. That's where it's got to be because if you get 90% one day and you're down to 40% the next day, that 40% will take you out the championship. You may be better off if you're up at 70 all the time and tap, tipping away. So all these things need to be looked into, you know? Uh, yes, in the analysis of that game, Galway were perceived to be a long way off the mark because of the final scoreline. Were you frustrated by the end of your time or even during your time as manager at the analysis of your games? To be fair, Paul, we lost that game, lost that ball heavily, heavily on the scoreboard. So, so unless things would change in how the games analysed, no, I wasn't mad about that because that's the way it is. We were beaten by nine points, if it was. I suppose for people to understand what's going on, it'd be lovely if people can go in a little bit deeper and see what's going on in more than kickouts and explain why there's a difference. So, so for instance, that last 20 minutes was very poor from our side. So you would have to say that the team just at some point got flat. We'd say it was, we're two points down at halftime, should have been seven up. And, you know, two very simple frees after halftime, which you'd have to say are momentum changers. Then you're four down and all of a sudden, the flatness kicks in because this is a team that's playing the best team in the land and I suppose don't have the full belief that they would have or maybe I would have. So, you know, to be fair, I would say that you asked about Paddy early on. <laughs> I've won the chapters in Ushing called, called Poor Paddy because he, I think when Paddy came in, he got an awful going over and unfortunately it seemed to have brought a little bit of lightning on top of us as well. And we've won a particular gent who just, just never stops. I see him at the weekend again with another bullshit of a, of a, of a, of a, of a, of a heading so I couldn't even read it but 
you know, so that does draw a bit of liking on, on liking to a team. I think Emerson Morris had the same himself maybe two years previous. But uh as but in 2018, we were felt our transition was right up there with the, with the best and our defense is right up there. So you if you look at the goal like, from you know Burns goal yesterday in particular and the goal chances that Dublin had, you know, we had that down to one goal in the national league in the whole league in, in, in 2018. That was seven minutes in injury time when we, we were beaten man up by eight points. But you were so perceived your you but your setup was perceived as being particularly negative in in or particularly defensive. Did that did that would you agree with that characterization? And how would you feel about that characterization? I, I, I totally, Paul. I, I actually totally agree with that. And I would see it as as, as, as a huge compliment. Because for Galway had before that was the traditional suits Galway. And look at I, I think you know it's 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 you see, the perception is reality. And for Galway to understand and get out of this is, and we're very, very careful in this. People say that, that the traditional style suits Galway, right? It's probably suits Mayo and it suits Kerry and it suits Dublin and maybe Armagh, that that's what Galway play. Because if you break down, Galway have, I see a neighbour of mine here, Peter Lee, was on the last National League winning team here 40 years ago, 1981. That's what Galway have won. Take out the two All-Irelands in our time when we were blessed with a gang of young fellas and probably blessed that a few older fellas were there as well to help them along and blessed with John Manny who come in as a very good organiser. Take out that three-year spell. Galway have won no All-Irelands in 1966. So the traditional style or whatever you want to call it, you know, football has moved on here. It's whoever takes the space in the right areas and makes in the right areas and converts their chances. That's the team we're going to win. So with 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 the quality of player, so if you did ask the question about defensive, you see, there's a defensive and there's attacking style. Um, if when you say defensive, and you're stopping goals going in, that for me is a compliment that you're actually defending really really well. And what defensive means is you put your team in the best places, the best areas of the pitch to defend. That might mean in the middle lane from the fifty-five back. And leave two up or three up, whatever it is. That may mean what we call the what if scenario. Have the team you're playing with, have you an extra man? Have they an extra man? Have you a storm? Have you not a storm? All this year. If you have a storm, you might push eight up against the front six and a kick out. Push them up to hell. Leave the two corner forwards free. Why not? That ball takes three kicks to get there. With the wind, it might take a kick and a half. So you've got to put all the what if scenario in there. Because when it comes to analysis, and this is why I don't like analysis, is and I talk about national analysis, right? Maybe it's, you're far closer than I am on this. Maybe it's a handy, every Sunday night this guy's there and it's a handy little flick out, pull out a few bits here, show what it looked like, but the balance isn't there. The facts aren't there. It's So it's very easy to pull out, pull out a clip or two and say, oh, this, this is completely different. Where it might not be. So, you know, we try to analyze things. We try to do all that kind of stuff. And when we break down, I, I actually took a Dublin game, I've written a book, a Dublin game in our game, because Dublin were playing this expansive football and we were this and that. And it was 14, 15, the amount of times when there was 14 men behind the ball at a certain part of the pitch. So I just needed to, you know, to see was there something we were doing. So I'd always take the Sky, the RTE. I, I'm always looking for an inch to find something somewhere. I'll ring a Division 4 manager if they paid a, a challenge against some of the company. Just anything you can get is really important. So that's probably where I have the figure. So that's why... You know, I put on Matt's minutes of movement. Like, going back to the kick I spoke to you about. The maths on that was that there was a good outcome. When you do the maths on it, but you'd need to do the maths to find your outcome. Because if you were to go by the, the analysis that Galway lost, we'll say, 
50 out of 20 kickouts in, in, in what we call that box kickout. That's the actual analysis the country can see. But my analysis is I keep going there because I'm actually, when that ball is won by the opposition, there's about two seconds there for us to get it back. Their defenders are coming out to, to come off the shoulder to go mad. You take the ball back off them. Now they're not set up, which gives our forwards better chance to go forward and, and kick some score. So there's loads of reasons for it, but that's where the maths movement and, and <clears throat> comes into the, the, the whole thing. But, that's a roundabout way, Paul. That's a roundabout way to answer a question. I'm, I'm waiting for Oshin to defend his analysis from last night's League Sunday. <laughs> Oshin was good last night. I, I, I watched Oshin. It was actually oh, quite good. Oh, do not do this. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Kevin, uh, on the punditry stuff, um, did that irk you or did that annoy you as as you were in in your in the Sligo job or Galway job? Did it annoy me when I, when I was in Sligo as well, Oshin? Is it? Did it annoy you? Did it irk you? Like you know, way people report on it. Maybe when you were in Sligo, there wasn't. A, there definitely wasn't as much analysis on what Sligo were doing as opposed to what Galway were doing. Ah, yeah, That'd yeah, be yeah. Fair. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. God, we got far more. And Division One is against Division Three at the time, or Division Four. So that's only that's only natural. But did it hurt me? I tell you when it started to hurt me, Oshin, and I mentioned the book was when I felt that it was actually making it had an impact on some decisions from referees and stuff. I would have, I still feel it has. And and you see, the more than like you've got to look at momentum changers. And this crack of, you know, it's about time that we step up as well and analyze referees' performances. It's got to happen. And if we have to go out and pay referees, because those games are too big, it cannot be, oh, it's my day this day and your day. It's, it's, it's the, you know, you take the Mead game yesterday. And I know that it was, it was two teams that changed a lot of their teams and they both are qualified. Um, but you look at when the score was quite close yesterday, that decision before the penalty came to Mayo, you know, you've got a referee five yards away looking at it. You've got the linesman looking at it, who's got a flag in his hand. He's a qualified referee. He hasn't got the power to put the thing to put the, the flag up and say that's a foul. His hand was pulled as he put to pass it off. Ten seconds later, the ball is in the back of the net from a penalty. A minute and a half later, the ball is in the back of the net because the momentum changed completely. That's that's from me. You know, this it's got to come to the point where this momentum change has got to be stopped and referees got to be analysed. I mean, because there's too much work being done. And I suppose you you brought me on the referees on the basis because I do feel that the negativity that came in particular, I suppose, after Paddy came down and we were doing really well in defence. Paddy hadn't even been into us until until into January. And Paddy got blamed for the defensive structure that was put in place. And and it's now unfortunately he's you know, one or two guys are still following him up and down and won't give him a bit, a bit of a break at all. And he needs a he needs a break as well. Any manager needs a break because it does bring a bit of attention and it, it does affect how you know, a little bit of one or two referees who aren't strong enough will will, will step out and, and, and cause momentum changes. And, and people within within your own county, Kevin, uh, in, in the book, and the book is relentlessly positive, actually, so I don't want to be focusing on the negative aspect of it. Like, it's a, me here, Paul. Me sorry, here. it's a very positive book, but you also got, it wasn't just, it wasn't just um, criticism from analysts. You got a lot of criticism in Galway from certain people. Like you talk about vitriol, vile abuse, ill-informed crap, toxic vilification, and crowds becoming increasingly unstable. And this is in a situation where you played 17 years senior football for the county. You had three All-Stars, two All-Irelands, an All-Ireland me minor medal as well. And even then you got no insulation. I don't think anybody gets insulation, Paul. And, and you know, and for anybody that's going into management... So I know Paul, you were in an awfully you know, she you you'll probably head in there in a year or two. Um you're gonna find that about 18 months is when your management will start. 
regardless of what you do. So, you know, if I'd say to any young manager, don't be worried. 18 months, 18 months is when the management, 18 months. Into your job, <clears throat> into your job yeah. If you're not sacked at that point. So 18 months. That's when the abuse will start. Not abuse, your management will start. And, right. you know, um, abuse will, abuse is very, it's from a small number of people. I don't want to over, over, overstate that. I, but unfortunately, they're, they're there and they need, to be, they need to be wiped out. But when you've got, and this again, the, the perception is reality. And again, the false analysis and I suppose the traditional Galway and how it's, and how it's been put out there by, 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 by some pundits would be, it is driving a perception into the public who are now starting to listen to this type of stuff, who get to another side of the fence too quickly. Um, but getting back to your 18, the 18 months, you're going to find as a manager that, you know, no matter what the guy you've done before, there's always a blooding in period. If you do, have, if you have a really good first 12 months, you're a super manager waiting to be knocked. If you have a poor first 12 months, you'll be given a little bit, a little bit of time to come in and do that. Don't forget at this point, your, your, your players are starting to get to know you. They start to see what you're like. They're, the guy sitting on the bench for 12 months has now lost patience. All this type of stuff comes on top of you. So it's how you manage this with your man-to-man management. You've got to have, you know, the, 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 the relationships formed the first year, you know. You've got to have your one-to-one with, with each player so that he feels comfortable coming to you, that he's not being violent behind the background because that conduit of getting a message down to players also should work the, the opposite way. So there's, you know, if someone feels he should be on the team or he feels this, he should be open to come to management itself somewhere where, where they feel so they can get, what I would say, the KPIs sent back down to them. There's a reason why you're not playing and here's two or three of them. That's it. I, I found that I found that very interesting in yeah. the book, Kevin, the way that was laid out and I found it on the website as well, the growcoach.ie website. I found it very informative on, in terms of the actual practical application of those principles that were laid out laid out in the but if you were to take a county team again and you saw a county who would you who would you like to take now Paul you know um when I went to Sligo I wasn't roaring at the time to take to take over a county team I hadn't long stopped playing a young family and everything else so um five years there another five in Galway 52 <clears throat> coming up next birthday not looking around at the minute Paul not really looking around <laughs> I've managed division four three two and one um, I'd like to. I'd love to get a go the Kerry team. Uh, I think at the minute the back isn't where it needs to be. It could stop them winning All Ireland. Um, Kildare, Cork. Uh, then again, have I got that? I'm getting old for traveling, so I'm not so sure that happened. But oh. I do see there are three of the teams I pick out where I could see massive improvement. Getting up to up 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 to a certain level, um, but look, I've I've been in all the divisions. I've I've, you know, I've got we've got our provincial titles, got to an Ireland semi final the first time. Like would like to got to an Ireland final, and obviously would like to win a final, uh, which didn't happen. But I can't have it every way. I, once once I walk away, and I put crunch the figures and the maths together after a five year period, which is a long time, and I put the win ratios in there, and I put the, the games, and I put the improvements that I think are there. Whatever reasons, I'm quite happy to step away. That I've left the jersey in a better place. If I think I have, if I haven't, I'd be straight with you. I don't think I'd be there five years. I I'd probably spotted a bit earlier if things had gone too 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 belly up, and I would. There's no way I'd be working in an environment where I felt we weren't improving. 
I want to I want to talk um about the four divisions on the weekend and what's coming in the next couple of weeks. We are not going to talk about the farce that is the finals in each division, which may or may not take place. Um, we're not going to expend energy on what it would essentially be Mickey Mouse uh, victories in any in any division, but we are going to talk about promotion and relegation because these things really matter, and we're told all the time about how important the league is. And I think the GA have made a shocking mistake in terms of the organisation of these promotion and relegation playoffs. The idea that they're not at neutral venues is absurd. The idea that a team that was originally lost um, home venue status because of breaches of training during COVID is wrong. But this goes much more than that for games that are so important. The idea that they should be paid, played on a home and away basis is is nonsensical. Uh, in my view, Oshin, what's your what's your view of it? Well, if I, if I if I if you're gonna force me to go again, but um, I got home last night at one o'clock in the morning. Went to bed. I got up this morning at about a quarter to eight, and uh, the volley of uh, of abuse from my neighbours started in morning. About, uh, had had they not served enough of, uh, I suppose that the the problem for me was. Wasn't that uh, you know that this the punishment should continue? But I, I didn't feel as if those four counties should be rewarded with with uh, with home venues. I think I, I, I can't, really can't say any more than that. I think that's pretty self-explanatory, and I think that would be pretty fair. Um, as far as you know, where we're at with the leagues, I mean, Division One. Um, uh, semi-finals are now basically um, glorified challenge games. Um, I think, you know, uh, the promotion and relegation elsewhere, the big games are now in two weeks uh, for these teams as far as semi-finals are concerned. So Armagh v Roscommon. Let's look at Division 1. It's really interesting, yeah. by the way, the northern section of Division 1 where peace and love broke out. Very gentle matches, very little tackling and a whole lot of different ones. I don't know what's happening, but I think that's all about to change. Armagh v Roscommon and Monaghan v Galway, losers relegated. Uh, Armagh, first of all, um, we beat Monaghan the first day, and yet I, I felt happier watching them against uh, Tyrone and Donegal. Uh, I felt that we looked as if we could definitely be um, competitive. I think I had said uh, earlier in my analysis that we are very easy to play against. We're not as easy to play against now. Um, I think um, I think we we have enough to beat Roscommon. I think that's that's a, it's a tough game, tough tough game. I think it'll be very very physical, um, and I think it'll be brilliant preparation for for championship. Um, as far as Monon are concerned, Monon goal is and always has been. Back to Kevin's time. I mean, there'll be a score in that one way or the other. Uh, Monaghan don't hammer teams, uh, and Galway. I don't think are in the position to do that right now. I think both uh, setups will be sort of like a mirror image of each other, and I just think whoever whose transition is just that little bit better on the day will we'll leave that. That's a complete toss of a coin, fifty-fifty game for me. Kevin, who, who, how do you see those two games going? Armaris Common and Monaghan Galway? Armaris Common against Galway, um, and I thought they were very standoffish. Um, there's no physicality at all in, in, in that game from them. From what I saw yesterday, you know, no more than Galway against Kerry, 
I think they might have got a bit of a kick, a kick in the backside. Um, so they looked a bit more physical yesterday. Um, so, you know, I think most teams at the minute, there might be one kick needed somewhere. And I think that's why we always have challenge matches and league matches. So there's a not kick coming to every team at the minute. But, um, you know, what's coming won't be easy. Um, but I, I have to say, I, I've, I've really liked our map what I've seen so far. Uh, they have seriously good forwards as well. Um, so I think, I think our match is going to sneak that one. Uh, but Roscommon, I'm not a Hengalway. I'd be honest, before I leave that, Roscommon in the past, if they feel they've no chance, or if they feel they've been written off, Roscommon will come out with everything. If they feel that they have a good chance of winning themselves, they're normally flat. So if if the more that our mayor fancied, the more Roscommon will turn up. Um, Galway Monaghan, um, as Oshin said, it's all been very, very close. A uh, lot of new players on both teams. So it's going to be very, very difficult. Again, look at again. I think Galway probably learned a bit over 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 the last number of games, where they've they're going to have to you know crowd the back to a certain degree. They've, anytime they've, they haven't done that, where they've always talked, and maybe maybe the traditionalists and maybe the commentary over the last number of years has been telling Galway to go and do that. But as I said in the book, the amount of carry and Mayo for his little club and shake your hand and say, "Oh lads, you're lovely stylish, stylish footballers. We love playing against you," and they have to beat you by fifteen points. That 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 gives me a crunch in the stomach. So. So I don't care. We have to kind of cover up the back a little bit. So um, if Galway, you know, go the routes like they've been doing the last two games, they should have every chance. But it'll, 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 that'll be very, very tight. Mullen, Mullen are actually an amazing one, Paul, because the first day against Armagh, I mean, like honestly, you know, they're right in their obituary, you know, as far as you know, Mullen supporters are concerned. But they've improved so much since that. And I'm just now trying to dig myself out of the hole from last night. But um. But the, the I think the thing about about going into that Tyrone game is that Tyrone's record against Monaghan is insane, and I think the the beaten fucking ninety nine percent of the time they played them over the last uh, ten odd years. But uh, Monaghan's improvement has been dramatic, and a few of those young lads who've come in have done yeah. have done really really well, and they've improved them. They've injected a little bit of pace into that uh, that thing as well. So that, I think that'll be they're two good games. I actually, look forward to. Division two uh, for promotion. Mayo play Clare and Mead play Kildare. The winners of both those games are in Division one next year. So, Oshin, Mayo Clare and Mead Kildare. Again, no, definitely no Division two final this year. Um, Mayo will beat Clare on the evidence of what I've seen. Uh, Mayo have had, may have had just a nice little league. That's the best way I can put it. And that things seem to have worked out really really well for them uh, and they've not expended the same energy maybe as they would have done had they been in Division 1 yet with minimal of fuss they'll go back up I think in Division 1 I think they'll, they'll beat Clare um, and I think Mead Clare mm, genuinely having a clue who's going to win that game I've seen Mead uh, watched a bit of Kildare yesterday um, Again, that's pretty 50-50 for me. Uh, possibly Kildare this time. Possibly Kildare just edges. Kevin? I'd be going on the Mead side. Um, I'd see all the, a lot of the changes yesterday, uh, but I was watching them the first half. You know, they, 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 they kicked an awful lot of ball in. I think they were in the instruction, but, I mean, Mayo always had a sweeper in there. They just, they just hoofed about the three or, first, three or four first balls, and they just thought, I, I don't know what they were actually at, but I, I put that down to a lot of players being, being out. Um, I just I've liked Meath. I saw meeting in Galway a year ago in Navan. Um, I thought Galway were lucky to come away with the points that day. Uh, Meath had five goal chances, took one. 
and I just they seem to be building nicely and um I I, I just fancy me on that one Mayo Clare I would have said are possibly one of the few monster counties who've moved on with the game um and that's a compliment to, the, to, the, to Clare I think that they're one of the best monster teams at covering the back and understanding what they're doing when they're back there this and they're, and they're quite good at transition but probably a step too far to take Mayo out but Mayo will find it difficult against them um they they work tirelessly hard but they seem to have that help defense a bit better in order than what than what, than what even take Kerry and Cork to be honest um I think that if you're to watch what they do is, is quite good I still but I still think you're not guaranteed to win all Ireland's by doing that so I think Mayo might just have the better footballers to get, get over, over, over the line in that but I don't think Mayo will have it all their own way at, at, at the first half Clare very good. Clare very good in the middle of the field as well. Yeah, but like one eight, one eight from one eight from Tuberty. Um, Who's an excellent footballer? Yeah, he's an unbelievable footballer, and his it was an exhibition yesterday in every single way, facet of the game. He can play inside, he can play outside, he can play. You know, and he he helps out. He defies his years, but I don't think he's going to. He's hard as well. He is. He's hard, and he works hard. But I do think as well, Paul. You know, you watched some of the players over yesterday. They're not afraid if they get a one v one situation, they'll take you on. Yeah. You know the way a lot of players turn back. And I've mentioned the book, the triple threat. They they play off triple threat. You know, um, and a lot of players, a lot of teams, sometimes wait for someone to come off the shoulder, and they won't. They don't turn turn around, look you in the eye. These clear boys look you in the eye, so they 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 do put the fear of chaos in the defender's eyes and. They have that little bit. If they can transition quick enough, they'll take you on one v one, and they, they do get a lot of frees with Tuberty. Yeah, Kevin. The uh, when Mayo were in their All Ireland finals, were you hoping they'd win? Okay, Paul, there's a there's a cross border thing here in, in Gaul and Mayo that always um, surfaces at some point. But look at for Connacht football. You know, I look back on on Mayo. I, I feel sorry they didn't get over the line. I've looked at you know things that have happened. OGs. I've looked at freeze of vital point times or missing and, and, and you know I, it turns me back to say the, the, and I find avoiding your answer at the minute but the Croke Park issue for me is the biggest reason that Mayo have not won the Ireland and this has been totally ignored uh, by pundits by papers and I think it's about time Oshina, are you listening to me here <laughs> that this, is driven, this is driven Oshina, and I don't care what, what it be because this is either finance or fairness and you know how you look at this you know i've put in the book you look at the, the bookies there's a different bookies odds for a home venue for a reason far beyond my capability or my smartness uh you know and it matches have gone down to a late free being missed they've gone down to a penalty being missed you look at paul gain he missed the penalty there in the, in the against dublin last year as well would he have missed that down clarity probably not killing o'connor's freeze probably was would have struck those in castle bar or, or, or maybe even parky Queeve. you know and you take dublin down to tune yesterday they don't feel at home in those type of environments. So, for me, that's one of the reasons Mayo haven't 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 won won those Ireland's, and they may have won two if the Co Park issue is dealt with. And I do think you might say to me, "Well, every player wants to play in Co Park, of course they do." But on a semi final stage, if it's Dublin, get them down down to Parky Creeve or somewhere where there's fifty thousand people coming in. Fifty thousand takes in all the semi finals and make this a fair a fair place. I could be wrong, Machine. You might make it. No, no, no. That's exactly that's exactly the point I made, Paul. If you go back to what we talked yeah. about uh, last year after the Cavan game, I couldn't understand why Cavan, especially, especially. Okay, so we take the crowds out of it. Like there was no crowds last year. That game should have been a neutral venue. I said it at the time. Uh, Cavan County Board came out and said, "Listen, there's no issue whatsoever. We want to go to Crow Park. We want to play in Crow Park. 
And I thought, right, fair enough, but that is the most naive thing I've heard in a long, long time, you know? Yeah, but Oshin, you're going to have people that are sitting in those tools for 50, 60 years that don't have a vision of changing. And, like, you know, that unfortunately, that's what's making our decisions at the minute in, 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 in certain county boards. People are quite happy to, uh, as I say, rub the back. And, uh, you know, it's time to stop not rubbing the back here. And I take your point about crowds, but at the same time, what crowds have been bigger than 50,000 in the semi-final over the last number of years? Yeah, true. So if it's a Dublin involved, get them out to Parky Cueve if that can take it. And for me, that's fairness. And that allows, you know, we're all talking about the finance for Dublin. We're all talking about the structures. But something that's very, very easy to change is a home venue. Why are people shouting about the home venue now for National League? If there's no home venue, why are we giving out about Manon and Galway? Why are we giving out about Kerry and Tyrone? There's a difference in having a home venue. And if that makes a difference at one or two points, give every county their chance. I understand our final, you know, the history of the GAA has to be played in Crow Park and all that type of stuff, and that's, that, that's fair. But right up to, to the All-Ireland final, this has gone to a stage now where this has to be done. And back in my time, we played National League games against... Um, Dublin Parnell Park. It was never a Crow Park. So to be fair, Crow Park that time was, was a national stadium. This is now Dublin Stadium. So for me, that's something that has to be dealt with. Division two relegation playoffs. Down v Leash, Westmead v Cork. But losers of both games end up in Division Three. Down v Leash, Westmead v Cork. Oshin. Ooh, I've seen down against me uh, last week. Was doing that game. Uh, they didn't look pretty for down, but I think they've been holding out for this game. I think they have rested a few boys who maybe just not been really at it the last couple of weeks. They went seven down against me, and they uh, took a lot of their guys off who you would think would be playing and come championship. So I think Darren have been waiting for this leash. Uh, are on a demo called big time since you know my work started really well with them. Um, so I'd go for down and this is a massive game with Westmead and Cork massive massive game for Cork I mean for Cork to go back down when you consider that you know they've done uh, you know all the work that has been done the, the, the bit of positivity that was starting to come into the game it looked as if they were building massive game and I tell you what Westmead are, are no mugs no mugs whatsoever and I don't think they'll be happy with yesterday's performance but again I think they're a team that was waiting on this game Corks at home, and that may just be enough for them. But by just, I think they'll just about squeak it. Kevin, yeah, I, th- I think I think Cork will get over Westmead. Uh, I've liked Westmead. I thought they've been very good, especially defensively set up. And uh, it has an upfront Egan, so you know they, they are quite a good side. Cork will will earn that now. Uh, but I just think they're, they're probably enough to get over it. And I think, like you said, Oshin, I think Leash just don't seem to be traveling at all at the minute whatever i haven't seen them play unfair of me to say too much about them but look at the results of it uh you know down were slow getting off as well but i do think yesterday's performance will actually get them enough confidence to be to be with me or to beat uh, leash division three before i say anything about division three um i'd like to acknowledge the the effort that was made by the awfully players and particularly the role players and send my um Absolute respect and commiserations to the Morris family and to Road Club on the loss of Dean Morris, who is um, a tremendous fellow, five Offaly Senior Football Championships, most recently played 
for road in the 2019 final played against my own club Tullamore in the 2018 championship um uh, out in Clumbelow played excellently that day and he was a central part of the road set up uh, out there and just beloved of beloved of all the players um and it's in that context that football matters and doesn't matter uh, 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 uh at all um yesterday awfully beat or Saturday awfully beat Tipperary and they play for Manor in one playoff uh, for promotion, and Derry play Limerick in the other one. Ushin. Yeah, no, very brilliant, and it had definitely. Um, passing Dean Morris had a profound effect on, on a lot of guys. You know, myself and Nair will be uh, fairly tight, and uh, had a profound effect. So they go out and, and play in that game and play the way they played. Um, as testament to them. Um, I think uh, for Man are very lucky to be in this situation. Awfully seem to be in the crest of a wave. If they're prepared, if they are prepared mentally um, for what Fermanagh are going to throw at them um, defensively, um, and this will be something a little bit different than that than what they've experienced so far. I think if they're ready for that and they're ready for a battle, I think awfully have enough. But they're going to have um, to mind the ball. They're going to have to mind the ball in a way that they didn't have to against both Limerick and Tipperary, and it was a much more traditional game. But against Fermanagh, you just cannot do that. I think they're going to have to be patient. Uh, no, I think they're going to have to be ultra patient uh, playing, playing against Fermanagh. But I don't, still don't think Fermanagh are in a great place. But you talk about a, a, a team that's able to um, to rally the troops and, and dig a result out uh, in whatever manner, and I mean whatever manner uh, possible. So I'm awfully ready for that. I fancy awfully. And... Uh, Derry uh, against Limerick won't be the cakewalk that, that maybe Derry think or a lot of people would think. I think um, we've seen a few more frailties from Derry at the weekend. They were cruising, obviously, with Calvin, you know, our season outfit. Um, and, you know, fairly few weaknesses in them. So I, I still think that Derry will win this game, but maybe just not as comfortably as you thought you think. After the group game between... Um... Derry and Fermanagh. Derry won that match by five goals and 13 points to no goals and nine points. Ryan McMenamin, the Fermanagh manager, had the following quote. He said, Derry are a very, very fit team. Very, very fit. A very, very fit team. What was he getting at there, Roisin? I think what he, what he meant was they were, uh, they were quite fit. Is that uh, all? <laughs> um... I think he, he was suggesting maybe they didn't play as much football as what uh, people would think. But anybody who watched them at the weekend, uh, going back to the original discussion we had today, their transition is scary. And they have forwards that are going to punish you. And uh, if you're going to beat Derry, you have to keep Shane McGuigan uh, quiet. I watched six Tyrone defenders doing that, trying to do that four years ago when they couldn't do it when he was 19 years of age. So... Um, you know, that's difficult to do. Neil Lachlan, Connor Glass in the middle of the field is a powerhouse, and then defensively, Christian McKay, Brandon Rogers, again, seasoned players. So, I think you know, as much as uh, Racy maybe was trying to store the pot a little bit, um, there's more football in this dairy side than you realize. So, Kevin, who'll win those matches? Offley, uh, Fermanagh and um, uh, Limerick and Derry. Yeah, I would. Uh, I'm going to. First of all, I'm going to go against your county here. I think Fermanagh will win against Offaly. Um, 
been up there myself a few times with the Galway team. Dan Look, it's been lovely to have you, Kevin. Uh, thanks very Hello. much. Um, <laughs> I'm gone. I'm finished. I'm finished. I'm taking the pressure off you, Paul. I'm taking the pressure yeah. off you. The more the odds grow, the better. Look at it. It's just Brewster Park. And Ocean, you probably know better than, better than the most. But for somebody from the other provinces coming to Brewster Park is, I don't know, it's just, it's a really hard place to play. Um, you know, and I know they went up against Derry and got hockey the following, the following week. But I just think for men at home, they have a serious record up there. And I just, I'm not too sure our, you know, will Offaly be able to take, take advantage of it. I haven't seen Offaly, to be fair, this year. Yeah. I've liked their progress. I've really liked their progress. I just think I'm, I'm going by the home for men. I think it's really, really strong up there. Uh, I think Derry are flying. Um, they've been, you know, on the on, on a tough side as well. I, you're, I know you're, you're talking about Cavan, but Cavan were, are still also, also champions. Um I just think that they're they seem to be moving awfully, awfully well. And um Limerick have had massive strides in the last two years. I just think the, the strides mightn't be enough. So I, I think Derry should be comfortable in that, in that match. The relegation playoffs in Division Three, Cavan v Wicklow and Longford v Tipperary. Oshin. Very important games again. I think Cavan and Tipperary will win. Um will win the two games. Uh Longford are the team that could put a spanner in the works. Uh, like I can't see, I can't see Wicklow handling handling Cavan. Uh, Cavan just a little bit too much, and probably unlucky to maybe to miss out on on uh, on semi finals. But uh, Longford could be a team that would that could throw a spanner in the works, and it's unbelievable, isn't it, that the two you know provincial champions are yeah. now trying to stave off going to Division Four. That's part of the problem, though, isn't that? That's part of the challenge that faces them. Six months ago, they're preparing for they were preparing for an All Ireland semi final on the crest of a wave, euphoria in both counties, football communities, and now this. In an, well, you a, like, do you remember Paul? You know when we talked about Cork and we talked about them for a couple of weeks, trying to back up what they did against Kerry, and they were in the Tipperary game, and, beat, and this is a little bit like that, although it's over a, a longer period. Uh, but it's amazing, you know, how winning sometimes can can soften things around the squad, and people start questioning things, and everything that was good enough before is not good enough now, and and a little bit of that creeps in. But uh, you know, I think uh, it's not an, it's not the end of the world as long as they don't go to Division Four. I think, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin for me. Um, just think there's too much. And, and Longford Tip. Longford, I I I I, I just think. Tipper, or, or, you know, I think that they had quite an easy enough draw to, to not to be in that position, and then they're in it. And, and like, I think the confidence obviously seems to be seeped out a lot. Um, thought they were very good last year. Um, but I just think, I think Longford are that dogged team. I think, I think they'll, they'll dog it out. Division four, this, uh, we'll just look at the two matches Antrim v. Watford in a Watford venue, and Loud v. Carlo in a Carlo venue. Oshin. Great for Waterford, you know, to have Antrim, uh, Antrim at home, obviously, but uh, like Antrim, uh, again, just seem like a team going the right direction. They seem like a county going in the right direction uh, in every way, shape and form. Uh, there seems to be a serious um, effort gone into it and, and Lowe's having sorted out a few initial issues. Uh, should win that and that will delight my in-laws because uh, uh, anything to get out of Division 4. Yeah, I, I, I think that, I, by the way, I think it should be acknowledged. There, there, there are football communities in Watford who never get spoken about it, swamped by the hurling. 
and it's football is the prime game in certain parts of, of Waterford and this is a massive opportunity I do agree that Antrim are favourites and probably should win but I would not write Waterford off and equally Carlo Carlo are ferociously hard to beat in, in, in Carlo I think Loud will win but it won't be close Kevin or it will be close Kevin I, I'm going to go for Waterford um, on the base I watched a bit of the Sligo Antrim game last week and Antrim were actually quite lucky to win that game at home and that was a must, must, must win game for them. Yeah, they were. I watched because that as well. They were. They were I watched the penalty at the end and loads of things were done at the end. And it was a home game. So I'm actually going to go for Waterford at home in that one. Um, big, they're huge, big men. They had in the past. And, and they, at, at home, home is a big advantage as well. So I'm going to go for that one. I think Loud seemed to be going really, really well. But like you said, Carl, if Carl go at, at the ultra defensive that they, they used to do, that'd be very hard to beat, to beat down there. So... Again, I haven't had my eyes uh, on it enough to comment too much, but I just think Loud seem to be scoring well, so I'd, I'd give them a sneak. And we'll finish, uh, we'll finish like that. Thank you very much for joining us, Kevin. Thank you, Oshin. Thanks to Larry for running the podcast, to Tony Lean, to Alliance, and to everyone at Examiner Sport for making it happen. Um, we'll be back soon. You can listen back to previous episodes on irishexaminer.com forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Also available is the Mick Clifford podcast, an engaging and informative slice of current affairs with a unique interpretation of the week's big stories. Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe. 